When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. I'm really excited about this particular topic, leadership and leadership coaching. And with that, I've got Ben Grimes and he's going to talk to us all about leadership, mentorship, and like I said, this podcast is for those listeners for all different walks, want to come away inspired, motivated, and it's going to be a fantastic story. So Ben, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Tell people your backstory, how you got started, and we'll delve right into it. Yeah, you bet. So I am a leadership coach, um, kind of an executive coach for professionals, primarily lawyers, but other professionals with an eye towards helping them step into positions of responsibility. So leadership. And I've been at the leadership game for, I don't know, a couple of decades. I started out as a helicopter pilot in the army and spent a few years flying helicopters and leading a platoon and then later as a staff officer in the army and then transitioned to the law and became a military attorney and then spent the balance of my 20 year army career as a military attorney before I retired, went to the Department of Justice for about seven years and realized what I really missed from the army was not so much wearing a uniform, but rather helping people grow into positions of responsibility. And so I started uh, this coaching gig, which I really love. And I really love being able to connect with folks, again, as they're reaching new levels in their career and, and starting to need to do and learn to do the things that nobody taught them to do in school. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And so kind of, we'll talk about this because I've always heard this quote, um, leaders are made, not born. And what are your thoughts on that? I, I think that's absolutely true. I think anybody can learn to be a leader because leadership is not so much about uh, innate skills or innate quality. I mean, it's not, it's not about innate qualities. It's about skills that can be learned. And once you understand what those skills are, what those values are that contribute to collaborative teams and inclusive environments, you really can exercise those skills repeatedly to build your leadership capacity. Yeah. And how about this idea of, because um, most people equate leaders with extroversion, but talk about uh, introverted leadership. Yeah. So believe it or not, I am also an introvert. Um, I really enjoy my downtime. I, you know, I'm a classic introvert. I recharge by being alone. 
that doesn't mean I can't communicate. And that doesn't mean introverts generally don't know how to communicate with folks. It just means that they're processing things in a different way. And so it's important to recognize that the leadership skills that are most important, the things that contribute to trust, transparency, and empathy in a, in a culture, in a work culture, or in a work environment, those things have very little to do with standing up on a stage and kind of commanding a room, right? You don't have to be General Patton to be a great leader. It, it, and really, I think introverts have a, have a great advantage when it comes to leadership because they're more, generally speaking, more um, adept at creating one-on-one -on -one relationships. And yeah. it's those relationships between people that yeah. build the trust in a team. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I'm an introvert myself. Like I love, you know, public speaking, but I, you know, I need to recharge and, you know, I, I prefer like a cup of coffee over just, you know, a loud restaurant or a bar, you know, kind of those. Um, but, uh, you know, it's always that age old, you know, um, cause I think especially certain cultures, they, um, value extroversion a lot, but I think introversion is coming into the picture a lot now. Um, so talk about, um, you know, the good fundamental tenets of leadership. You talk about trust, transparency, and, uh, you know, empathy, passion. And talk about that. So to me, those are the building blocks of great leadership. And those those principles, trust, transparency, empathy, passion, those are the principles that, that I've distilled from my career, both the formal leadership education that I've had, and then my experience, both as a leader and being led by great leaders. Those are the things that stand out to me as being fundamental. So it's not, it really isn't even about tech, technical skill. Like in a lot of industries, the law, in medicine, you often get promoted into the next role because you're great at doing the thing, right? So as a lawyer, I'm great at writing briefs, so now I get promoted. Or I'm great at winning cases, so now I get promoted into partnership, and now I have to manage a practice group or take on clients myself. As a doctor, you're great at surgery. You're great at diagnosing a problem um, for your patients, and now you're running a, a practice group, and now you're running the oncology group. And so mm -hmm. in, instead of just reading scans, now you have to manage people reading scans. And it's a totally different skill set. And what everybody knows, but has a challenge to kind of solve for is what happens when you get promoted into that position of responsibility that demands new skills that nobody ever provided you. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because then you talk about, because, um, you know, culture, uh, DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, and um, all are impacted by leadership. So talk about you know, how leadership has to do with these qualities and also uh, the ROI on investing in leadership by firms, corporations, mm -hmm. institutions, et cetera. Yeah. So the first piece first, um, I think that uh, the quality of leadership in your organization has a dramatic effect on the experience of your people, whether that's law firm associates or, um, or residents or, you know, the, the, your doctor cohort, the experience of the people in your organization depends on leadership because if there is a lack of trust among your group, then that means that folks are withholding some piece of themselves. 
both personally and professionally. I, I just talked about this with a, with a couple of law firms um, in the last week. Building trust within your organization supports the gaps in knowledge that we as individuals have. If I'm concerned that you're gonna with that you're gonna hold it against me that I ask you a question that I that I reveal to you that I don't know something, then I'm not gonna ask, and I'm gonna suffer for that because I'm not gonna learn the thing that I need to know, and our our clients or our patients are gonna suffer for that because we're not gonna get the second opinion from our from our peers or we're not gonna seek out the answer that you know, that, that additional perspective that we might need to really get another look at the problem and solve the patient's problem, solve the client's problem. And so trust allows us to do those things on the professional side and on the personal side. If I don't operate with trust, then I withhold a piece of myself. And, and that simply creates some cognitive, it's a cognitive burden to gauge every day how I'm showing up at work, how I'm talking to you, what I'm saying, what I'm, what you know about me and what I withhold from you. And I've got to like it, a, a preteen who tells one lie and then another lie, and then all of a sudden has to keep the lies in it, like in order to, to hold the whole thing up. And it's the same thing at work as an adult. If I haven't told you that I'm uh, going to see, like I'm, I haven't told you that I'm caring for my aging parents at home. And so now, now every time I talk about what I, what I, whether or not I'm available to extend my hours during the day. Now I'm kind of shaping how I discuss those things with you when it would be much simpler for me to just disclose that to you, disclose that vulnerable piece of who I am, let you in a little bit, then I don't have to carry that cognitive load and I can be more me at work. Yeah. Um, and then the other, the other piece of things in terms of the business, kind of the business case for great leadership, um, there are... A, Two kind of two great um, concerns there. Number one, this is all about how you interact with clients and patients. Doctors are leading their patients through the relationship, through that medical relationship. Lawyers are leading their clients through that legal relationship, and we have to operate in with trust and transparency in that relationship as well. But from a, a kind of purely business sense, if your employees can't be themselves at work, can't trust each other, can't work collaboratively, you're going to increase turnover. Turnover is going to increase costs. And, and that has a real business impact. Yeah, which we'll talk about in this idea of just kind of like, um, you know, this idea of like psychological safety. And we'll talk about creating an inclusive law firm and, you know, more focused. Um, one kind of question on the piggyback tail of what you just said is how does leadership coaching compare to executive coaching or management consulting? Yeah. So with regard to uh, management consulting or other types of consulting, the, the difference between coaching and consulting is really about how much of me gets into the conversation. And so my goal as a coach is to draw out of you, your values, your own insights and offer myself up as a mirror to you so that you can see yourself from a different perspective. You know, we know it's it's often easy to solve someone else's problems or diagnose someone else's situation because it's not us. But but in the you know if the roles are reversed, it's very hard to see our own problems or, or our own challenges. And uh, working with a coach allows you to see your own challenges from a different perspective and kind of solve solve for your own obstacles. So that's the goal with coaching versus consulting. Um, 
as a consultant, I might come in and say, well, I, this is what I diagnose and this is what I prescribe as a potential fix for your situation. Um, whereas in a coaching relationship, we would work together and to come to your conclusion about what your situation is and your conclusion about how to move forward, um, knowing where you're at. And the leadership uh, coaching versus executive coaching kind of shades of difference there. But the, the focus for me as a leadership coach is working with, with folks who are in positions or going in or rising into positions of responsibility. So it's I work with folks with a view towards the impact on the organization as well as um, their own performance as um, as professionals or executives. Mm, yeah, I love that. And basically, we know that the ROI of investing in leadership, you know, small in solo firms as well as big um, kind of you because your training is in a lawyer. Um, so I'm going to shift gears and talk about. So one thing is you talk about this idea of why is leadership so hard for lawyers, but um, you know, a lot of politicians, uh, people in, in politics, they're, they're lawyers by training. So kind of talk about why um, this idea of why is leadership so hard for lawyers? Yeah. It, it's, it's a little bit counterintuitive, right? Because, because as you say, lawyers are kind of everywhere. Um, the tons of lawyers in government, tons of lawyers in leadership positions and in, in corporations but the way lawyers are trained, kind of like the way doctors are trained, as far as I understand it, is with a focus on individual production. It's all about what you know, what you do, how you perform. And so from law school uh, into practice, the focus is on individual performance. And we do very, as, an, as, an, as a legal industry, we do very little work to develop skills of collaboration, of working together, of leaning on other people for their knowledge and insight. And um, that happens in law school. So in law school, your grade is about your writing, um, your performance. And you know, you want to get onto law review, then you have to write and you have to perform. Once you get out into practice as a junior associate, it's all about, I get the assignment, I turn in the work. I get the assignment, I turn in the work. And not until we get into senior associate or partnership levels are we now responsible for uh, paralegals or investigators or legal secretaries or managing a trial team. And we've not only not trained the skill of leadership, we've trained away from the skill of leadership. Yeah, it's same, same thing with medical school because, you know, it's like pre-med, pre -med, you're competing to get into medical and the medical, it's like you're competing to get into residency and residency. You're, and it's like, it's like we're always like, you know, focused on, but then, um, uh, you know, leadership is a different skill. Um, so you talk about um, why knowing your law firm's values isn't enough um, for leaders and talk about that. Yeah, I am a huge proponent of both individuals and organizations identifying and defining their values. Um, identifying them is important. You have to kind of know what you stand for, but, but defining them is also important because we can have different definitions about what it means to respect other people um, and how that plays out. And so knowing them and defining them is important, but in an organization, that's not enough. An organization has to identify its values, define its values, and then create the alignment between those top level values that we talk about and how we actually operate. Uh, 
And so the policies and procedures, the standard operating guidance that is that is written into the way we operate has to actually operationalize those values in order to make them, um, to bring them alive so they're not just like on the website. They're not just on our letterhead. There's things that, that actually impact the way we operate by policy. And that policy and practice has to be has to be carried out by individuals on the ground. And so sometimes you'll you'll be in an organization and say, wow, like in you know, in the lobby, our values are you know splayed up on the wall, and this sounds great. But in when I sit down with my supervisor, I'm not hearing, I'm not hearing that care for, I'm not hearing teamwork, I'm not hearing collaboration, I'm not seeing that in the hallways. And it's the alignment um, that's really important to, to make those values more than just uh, talk on the wall. Yeah. The other, uh, I know we're kind of coming to the end of the conversation, which has been really interesting, is um, you talk about this um, walk your way to leadership and building your bench through leadership. Or what are uh, those? Mean? Walk your way. One of my favorite, perhaps my, my actual favorite um, leadership kind of tip or philosophy is leadership by shoe leather. And it's as simple as getting out and getting curious and communicating with your people where they are. And in a virtual world, that doesn't mean that's impossible. It just means we have to do it differently. You and I are are exercising shoe leather leadership. We're we're talking face to face, um, person to person, and we're doing that from across the country. Right. It's possible to do in a digital age, uh, but but it's the this is a digital extension of that uh, real life walk down the hall and talk to people. You can't you can't lead your office or your organization from behind your desk. You have to get up and get out. And yeah. building your bench is really all about furthering that communication to make sure that we're educating people about what what to expect at the next level. So it's not just about giving assignments. It's also about educating about why those assignments matter and how they relate to the thing that they're going to do and learn next. Yeah, I love that. How can people contact you, follow you, reach out to you, check out your work, um, et cetera? Yeah, two two ways. Uh, number one, LinkedIn. I'm all over LinkedIn. And so I really um, invite folks to connect with me on LinkedIn, Ben Grimes, and at my website, bkgleadershipcoaching.com. Um, either way, uh, I look forward to connecting with uh, with everybody out there. And uh, let's thank Ben. He's got extensive experience, uh, really interesting, and he's translating it into leadership, um, coaching, and really great discussion. All of his resources will be in the links and show notes. And thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. This has been great.